Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. Uh, I'm Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew to discuss the Wyndham Rewards Championship, the week before the FedEx Cup playoff. It all it all comes down to this, Colin. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, the last, I feel like it's the last week field and sort of a, a string this summer that it's either been like star-studded fields or total dumpster fires. And definitely a, a weak field this week. Obviously, people still jockeying a little bit for some FedEx Cup points if they can. But for, for most of the players, most of the best players in the world, they're taking the week off to recharge their batteries said justin thomas was uh locked in his basement theater room grinding out entourage seasons well you know good for him uh i I would be i would actually be bummed out if real golfers were at this tournament and i like i like had to think about like how to approach like dustin or jt or like i think even jason day even jason day i would be like i just don't even know how to handle a guy like that uh in this field so how did uh, how the WC, WGC St. Jude go for you? Uh, it was close, man. I finished 10th on the MME event in, on FanDuel, uh, so that was good. I What I really needed to happen was like a log jam at T2. Obviously, I had Kepka in that lineup and had uh, Webb Simpson, and I needed Rory and Fleetwood to get up to be tied with uh, T2, and I needed Leishman to fall off a little bit. I could have had a, a really big week. Uh, can't complain anytime you finish 10th in a GPP, but... It was barely enough to offset the DK lineup, so it was a small profit. But um, it's always just frustrating when you get close but don't quite finish it off. What what a shame that Rory didn't close it out on Sunday. That yeah. I, I was I was look so Sunday morning I wake up, Keith Mitchell posts a bogey free sixty five. How Tong makes an eagle on the second hole, and I'm like, okay, Rory's in first. How Tong just made an eagle. Keith Mitchell uh, bogey free. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make money. And then Rory proceeded to play like the most Paul Casey gutless Sunday golf of all time, just parring every hole, wasn't close on any of his putts. Like it just, it was on it. Like it was pain. I turned it off. I never turn off golf uh, like Rory on a Sunday. I turned it off. I was just like, I'm not, I'm not spending my day doing this. Yeah. I mean, obviously a strong finish, but um, even just a few birdies there, like a little more competitive. Uh, at least it was competitive going into the final day. We hadn't had that for a little bit, but yeah, it didn't yeah. end up with much drama. Uh, there were a couple notable performances last week. You know, Kepka finished six in T to green. He absolutely smashed putting, which was the thing that he was kind of tilting at the open about not being able to put together. And obviously Kepka winning a, a non-major, you know, he, he's been playing a lot of golf for him and definitely in good form and a big payday for him. A couple other notable T to green performances that are in the field this week. Patrick Reed was second in strokes gained tee to green last week. Brant Snedeker was ninth and actually had a rare shitty putting week for him. Billy Horschel and Paul Casey were in the top 15. And then Jordan Spieth finished 12th in the event, but lost strokes again off the tee and on approach, made it up with a short game. Well, shocker. Shocker, Spieth, a little bit, a little bit of sun running for him there. Hideki had Spieth level ball striking last week, so that's the other guy I wanted to comment on. He was, he was not dialed in on approach at all. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you're just not going to be dialed in. And I, I guess I guess it does matter, though, because Hideki is going to be a decision point for this upcoming week at the Wyndham Championship at the Sedgefield Country Club. It is a par 70 golf course, only two par fives, uh, 7,127 yards long, super narrow fairways. I read that they get really narrow right around 275. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe for Kevin Kisner, that wouldn't matter, but for some of these younger guys, they're definitely going to be hitting rough shots, probably 
at about 300 yards because they're going to hit it that far into the rough. Uh, one of the 15th easiest courses on tour winning score of 20 under or better the last three years, which to me is notable because this field always sucks. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's like middle of the road and part just the distance. So it is narrow, but when you see the, um, you know, shortish distance and then top 15 easiest course on tour with those winning scores and you know, there are going to be tons of birdies um, the past few years here, strokes game putting has actually driven 38% of the deviation in scores, making it the single most important factor as far as driving deviation and scoring. Strokes gain off the tee actually over-indexed as well, 18% compared to a typical tour event that was higher. Um, obviously, strokes gain approach is always going to matter. It drove around 30%, but that is less than tour average of 35%. So if you're just comparing this course relative to the average PGA Tour course, putting is going to matter a little bit more. Off the tee is going to matter a little bit more. And then the approach stuff still going to matter a lot. Just a, a tiny. Can bit I less. can I let can I let loose a take on that? Actually, yeah, I actually think that strokes gained approach is super super important at this golf course because I think like basically just hitting the ball to twelve feet a bunch and and just like flipping coins on if you make those twelve footers seems like the most important thing to me this week. Like basically, I think it's just all going to be can you hit it to make makeable putts and do you make the makeable putts? That's the way it seems to me. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that's somewhat true. I mean, it's still the second most important factor, right? So it's just saying, like, it matters every week. You need to be able to hit good approach shots, either to make the birdies or to stay out of trouble. Um, it, it just it, – the data has showed that it matters a little bit less. Still the second most important factor, though. And definitely, I mean, it seems like you, you have to get really hot with the putter to, to win here. you got to be able to go super low. Um, and some of the better players in this field are not good putters, so that's going to be something that is a challenge. Well, that was my first no data take of the podcast. I'm sure there were going. I I, I know I know that there are several. One, though, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that there are several more no data takes coming over the over the course of the next 45 minutes. So uh, right, we have a list of strongest form coming into this event. The first is Webb Simpson, who is like. I mean, he's the decision point of the week. Like, he, the guy has a daughter named Wyndham, and he is like, I, I believe he's won this event before, and his form coming in, 29th, 2nd, 16th, 30th, 2nd, including two really strong performances at major championships this year. I mean, what do you, what do, you do? Yeah, and I mean, he's got the strongest outright course history in the field as well for guys with 12-plus rounds under their belt. So you kind of have all that peak form coming in. You have that course history and, and, I mean, he checks the boxes, whether you're looking at um, our work, you're looking at Vegas odds, or you're looking at weighted stat stuff with a place like Fantasy National. He's going to be checking re legitimately every one of the boxes. But he's 11.2K. Uh, you got to get 6-6 six six through the cut. And he obviously hampers your ability to do that because there are going to be so many birdies on the weekend. So Webb finishes 6th. It's, it's, it might not be enough this week. Um, I, I, I will just say this. I, I'm just not playing Webb Simpson. I, I just, I, whatever for like, what, I cannot play a guy who might be 35% owned in some contests. Yeah. So uh, I think on DraftKings in a three max format, like stomaching a fade for me there is pretty easy to do. Uh, even like a single entry, I think building with somebody else uh, makes sense from a but leverage. You wouldn't nuke in MME. Uh, MME, I probably wouldn't nuke, but I think like the way I let it fly to start, I, w I was under, um, under 25%. So maybe underweight the field, but like I, I'm going to MME FanDuel and the roster construction is easier there. And it's really hard to, 
to X them out on FanDuel with the way that the roster breakdown goes on that site. So because of that, it's an easy decision on FanDuel. Um, I'll, I'll probably have 30% or more based on how things work out there. On DK, it's definitely a little tougher. Well, maybe, may, maybe I don't know. I, I don't really want to play that guy. I guess how I will let it work out is I will just set my ownership cap. Like I'll set it to like 74, 75%. And my guess is that will probably give me like a, a good bit of some of the other expensive guys. Like I'll probably get a lot of Hideki and a lot of Morikawa who uh, might, might be withdrawn, might be not withdrawn. I, I don't like, I've not been able to find an update. One source reported that he has withdrawn, not seeing it anywhere else. Yeah, so we'll wait and see on that. I mean, just the the web stuff, it all it all aligns. So, like, you were targeting approach. He's top 10 in approach in the field, top 10 in putting in this field over his last 100 rounds, top 10 in our model, um, number one overall in our model, number one in Vegas. So I, I kind of think, like, you're just creating a reason to, to fade somebody there. Um, and right now I only have his ownership at 23%. It, it might get a little bit higher, but I don't think it's going to hit, like, the, the 30% DJ at RBC Canadian type levels. Yeah, well, I, I would hope not. So other strongest form we have here, Patrick Reed coming in 30th, 5th, 23rd, 10th, and 12th. Billy Horschel, 9th, 32nd, 17th, missed cut, 9th. Hideki, 21st, 13th, 7th, cut, 43rd last week. Shez Reeve, 3rd, 1st, cut, cut, 27th. Yeah, and then relative to their baseline, some of the guys who are kind of trending in the right direction, Brian Harmon, Joaquin Neiman, and Kevin Streelman, all have been performing well relative to their baseline. Some of the guys we, we named before, probably not surprising because they're some of the best long-term players in this field too, but perhaps it's a slight boost to some of those guys relative to their baseline. And then talked a little bit about course history. Simpson has the strongest course history here. Hideki's done well, but relative to his expectation has actually not been an incredible course for him. And then Patrick Reed, Rory Sabatini, and of course Brant Snedeker um, have some of the outright best finishes here. Yeah, uh, not not a ton of guys on that list that I'm actually super interested in. To be honest with you, I don't really want to be playing Patrick Reed and Brant Snedeker when I could just be playing, I don't know, Mike, Michael Thompson and Vicar Hovland. Yeah, I, I think um, Sneds and Spieth, we, we can kind of get into that when we talk about the price by range. Uh, but obviously with uh, the, the Wyndham Championship, we got that going on this week, but we also have the NFL DFS preseason. And I know both you and I are really excited about that, have been putting a ton of time into the seasonal and DFS projection products. So if you are going to be playing NFL DFS this season or this preseason, we'll have some free content up over at Dilly Roto. And then from our premium subscribers, we'll have access to the optimizer where you can upload your own projections if you want to run MME for the preseason DFS contest, including the Hall of, Hall of Fame slate this Thursday, which will be a showdown contest to kick things off. Really excited in general about all the stuff we're doing over at Daily Roto this NFL DFS season. So if you want to check us out, we do have an early bird promo code right now. Preseason, P-R-E-S-Z-N, will get you 10% off. And then obviously the, the best ball drafts are firing too. So why don't you tell us about what you have going on over at Roto Experts for seasonal fantasy football draft kits. So we have, uh, obviously, the ultimate guide to winning draft best ball leagues, which is, uh, you know, to this date, I've read all the best ball content out there. I promise you the guide that me, Michael Leone, Drew Dinkmeyer, Anthony Amico, and Colin wrote is is clearly the best. It will give you the best chance to win your draft best ball leagues. Draft actually just announced another mini best ball championship. Uh, if, you, if you want a chance to win that, I would suggest reading uh, would suggest reading our guide, as well as, you know, 
constantly updated projections, rankings, premium content every single day on the website as well. Yeah, that's been fun. I've probably got 30 to 35 drafts under my belt and hoping to get up to 75 in that best ball millionaire maker championship um, by the time things kick off. But um, on to this week, DK by price range. We talked about Webb Simpson at the top, uh, number one in the field, basically any way you cut it, including the price at 11.2K. Like I said, um, I'm okay fading Webb in a single entry or three max build on DK because of the price point. But on FanDuel, where roster construction is a lot easier, he's going to be a guy that I think I'll have at least 30 to 35% of. I would say that our top 20 odds only have him as a bit better than Hideki, Morikawa, Paul Casey. It's not like a 70% to T20 projection we sometimes get if it's a, a, a DJ at like 11.2K. Right, yeah. Well, I, I will say the guy that I most want to play in this range, uh, not surprising anyone, any longtime listeners of this podcast, but I, I just want to jam in Morikawa, obviously. Yeah, and you, you were mentioning uh, potential for WD risk for him coming off of his victory. I, I would think that we will know by, like, Wednesday night, though. Yeah, I was I was watching, like, a IG clip with him and talking about, like, the importance of FedEx Cup points and things like that, and Obviously, the win's huge for securing some additional events and tour card status, but um, there's still a lot that he could get done over the next few weeks from a, a paycheck perspective if he's able to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, he won the Barracuda, but if he's able to have, like, if he gets, like, even, like, T12 here at the Wyndham, that's, like, a meaningful difference in terms of, like, his future career earnings for FedEx stuff. Yeah, and I think he he's one of the guys that projects well. Um, Hideki, I'm a, a tiny bit lower on than, than baselines. Uh Again, on FanDuel, it's kind of always going to be in play because of how roster construction works there. But, um, you know, you're going to have to have that hot putter to contend this week. And, and that's definitely not something that is Decky's strong suit. So um, I think Webb is is kind of the, the main play. But I'm, I'm fine kind of passing on the range in a single entry build if, if you want to go that way. Because there are definitely some guys that I like at the cheaper price points. Um, two of the bigger potential fades this week are Jordan Spieth and Brant Snedeker. Uh, Spieth, a little bit easier for me because he's going to be popular. He's still been a disaster off the tee and bad on approach. Obviously, elite short game. Snedeker's had the, the same elite short game, but a little bit better approach game. So if the off the tee stuff gets muted a little bit, I think Sneds is coming in with a, a bit better um, form. But Regardless, with those guys looking at 15 to 20% ownership, I may take a pass altogether, which is obviously a recipe to just watch Roslyn win all the money again and tilt it off. I mean, how many, how many like plus, how many pluses in the optimizer would you have to do to get Speed into a lineup though? Probably like 10. Like I, I like, I remember when Matthew Wolf had like no sample, I gave him plus 20 to get in. And, but I, I, I just, I'm not willing to do that for Jordan Speed. I just won't. Yeah, I mean, I did it for I did a pretty big boost for Kepka last week, and um, that one was pretty easy to stomach. Speed, it feels like you're just boosting into chalk at this point. Um, I would I would say that the way that Data Golf has him ranked in this field, it's just that he's overpriced. It's not that he's not live to, to top twenty. A top twenty finish certainly wouldn't be surprising, but at that price on DK, you're definitely looking for a little bit more. Yeah, and and also there's just like the the equity of like. I faded Jordan Spieth for uh, like 90 consecutive weeks. Why do I want to go back to it here? Because I don't really, I don't really believe he's found anything, you know? No, I mean, he's recaptured like the, the short game magic, right? But hasn't found anything with the long game, it doesn't seem. 
Yeah. However, like the $9,000 range, there are loads of dudes here. I want to play uh, Hovland, Wolf, Shez, Neiman, Charles Howell. These are like all good. Uh, these are these are just like all guys I'm very interested in getting in my uh, my DFS lineups. Yeah, I think that is what makes the um, the build on DraftKings like a palatable fade of web if you want to. Because like I'm comfortable starting lineups off with um, either Paul Casey or Patrick Reed or even Billy Horschel. Um, Casey uh, definitely pops and looks like he's going to offer a lot of leverage this week, which is why I like him in tournaments um and then patrick reed and horschel i think check a lot of the statistical boxes if you're looking for strong approach players who also have um streaky upside with their putter reed has turned it around on approach gaining strokes over his last five events now hasn't quite had it all click with a putter at the same time but um feels like that'll come around eventually and then uh ches and rory sabatini i think set up nice for the the shorter type of PGA Tour layout as well, and right inside the top 10. So I'm interested in those four guys, those five guys the most, if you want to kind of lump Casey in there. Um, and then and then Hovland. So I wanted to talk to you as, as the guy who loves, loves playing the young dudes. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Hovland is better play than Matthew Wolf. Do you agree with that? I think he's very clearly better than Matthew Wolf, and I think there's still probably an argument that he's better than Morikawa. Yeah. Morikawa has been, like, really good, though. Yeah, he's been really, really good, really consistent. I mean, Hovland's long game has been incredible inside the top 10 in the field over the last 50 rounds and both off the tee and approach. And we've just seen really bad short game performances from him. It's still a small sample, though. So we we don't know how much of that is variance versus like maybe that's just the type of player he's setting up to be. I mean, I, I would guess like guys can probably get better at short game. If you would, if you would think of like, how could a golf professional improve their game and get better? Would, wouldn't you think that, that would be like the number one area where guys could like stop being so horrible? <laughs> you would think so. But then you got these guys with like 10 years on, on tour that are still terrible at it. But no, I agree. I think for me, it's just also like, like he might actually be good at, at putting and we just haven't seen enough data on him. Um, it's not something that's like, tracked or talked about a lot on the NCAA tournament ranks. So yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of throwing Hovland into the mix as well. So I think. And that I mean, Morikawa and Wolf won. So that means Hovland has to win too, right? The rule of threes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I, I am pretty confident. I, I would play Hovland at like 40% this week and feel like fine with that. I don't, I don't even think that's bad. Even yeah. like, obviously the optimizer is not going to give me that, but I think it's fine. Well, I think they have him kind of squarely in play too, just kind of depending on overall roster construction. Um, they definitely think he uh, he's better than Matthew Wolf, who they do not like. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean Wolf had that one flash, right? But the everything else hasn't been super consistent, and that I think that's the the thing that the Dave Golf model in general values consistency a lot. And Morikawa had the consistency, and then also broke through for the victory. So it's going to take a long time for Wolf to close that gap. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this does feel like a course, though, for, like, old grinder types. So, like, like, like Charles Howell, he's got to be, like, a lock for, like, T18, right? Like, how does, how does Charles Howell do worse than T18 here, you know? It does. Yeah, it definitely feels like you could <laughs> put the mortgage on Charles like, Howell finishing inside the top. Like, you, like, you're just watching that dude, like, oh, he's, oh, he's going to take his three-wood off the tee. Oh, he's got the gap wedge out. Oh, okay, he's going to hit it to 14 feet. Two putt, he's going to take his par, he's going to go to the next hole. Like, I, I just I just feel like I've seen this movie a thousand times. Yeah, and he's, it's so steady, too. It's like you almost feel like there's there's no way that you're getting a disaster performance out of him 
and the the like he has every metric right i would say the approach game hasn't been exceptional this year but it's been fine it's you know above average in this field um ch3 definitely a guy that can get on board with this week and then the poor man's Webb Simpson, Lucas Glover, I think is a guy that we can Glo- Glover is like, uh, if you were if you were feeling spicy, if you were wanting to take advantage of the fact that DraftKings was offering like 5X crowns on GBPs this week and just earn that, earn those sweet crowns. Who would want to take advantage of that? <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I would. Uh, so I like... If I was if I was still like early PGA season Davis Maddock, I, I think I'd just lock Glover. Honestly, he's such a good play. He, do you know that he's 15th on tour strokes gained total this year? Which I yeah. know is descriptive rather than predictive, but still, that's crazy for Lucas Glover. No, definitely. And I mean, he's he's been good in, in basically every metric, too, including with the putter. Um, I mean, there's a ton of parallels between him and, and Webb Simpson, honestly. Just, just looking at raw strokes gained, obviously, that's not all adjusted for the field, but if we're talking like off the tee, over the last 50 rounds, um, Webb's 58th and Glover's 34th. On approach, Glover's 18th, Webb is 7th. Around the green over the last 100, which is one of the metrics I'll look at there, um, Glover's 46th and Webb's 19th. And then putting, uh, Webb is 8th and Glover's 26th. So, like, I mean, it just feels like it's setting up for the, the poor man's Webb Simpson performance, which, hey, at this track record, you know, it, you can do a whole lot worse than that. Yeah, weird, weird prizes after him. Uh, not interested in playing Keimer. Not really interested in playing Hadwin a ton. But like, uh, so here's something that I I don't understand in the optimizer. The optimizer has loved Dylan Fratelli all year long, and then now all of a sudden he gets like a minor price hike. Not even like a huge one, like a minor price hike, and they're off him. Yeah, I mean it's pretty substantial price hike though. I would say um, even even with the field strength, you think though, like he's like he's like. 500 more expensive than Martin Laird. Yeah, he was down there in like the 7K range though for a while. So it's like 1500 bucks. And those weren't strong fields either. It's not like they, they've they been trying to jam in Fratelli I mean, yet. You want to talk about a dude, you want to talk about a dude jamming over his baselines. Dylan Fratelli won an event and then like, what, he was like, he, he for a while he was like T10 at the open. I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened to him on Sunday. Yeah, so I think... um. Hadwin's a guy like a tiny bit more than projections, not a lock play for me, but somebody I'd consider in a three max format. It's a lot easier to get up to CH three or Glover. So he's kind of like the third guy on the list and therefore not, maybe not the the last guy on a three max balance build, but does hit MME radar for sure. So I like him a bit more than projections expect to have a tiny bit of Hadwin and then Sung JM as well. A guy that I like a little bit more than projections. Um, he's played a lot of golf and, and some of the more recent results aren't quite as strong, but uh, like him a little bit and then I think the the tougher things are going to be these guys that rate is really good values but they have to get hot with the putter this week to contend so it's like what do you do with Ben on and Jason Kokrak do you fade them do you play max one of them in a lineup it's just where, be- where do you think where do you think if you had to guess Benny Ann rates out of the uh 198 qualified players on tour this year in strokes gained putting <laughs> is he like 192nd he is 196 out of 198 qualified, yeah. and and he's like a couple standard deviations worse than like 195. It's like it's like him and Martin Pillar are like they they lose just like an absolutely like crazy amount of strokes per round putting. Yeah, and that's where you, I mean you see the disconnect too. And yeah, putting is hard to predict on a week to week basis, but like 
Ben Ann's upside putting week is like break even, don't lose strokes, and you're gonna be in contention. What if he ever what if he ever had a Denny McCarthy putting week? Would he just be on fifty nine watch for like all four rounds? Like if 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 you would feel confident in him standing over a twelve footer, he'd be the best golfer in the world, I think. Yeah. So I I think that's um gonna be one of the things where it's like a big disconnect from projections is just if you think that putting is going to matter a ton this week as far as driving upside of players and tournaments then on it's not a great play if you're looking for a median performance you're looking for a made cut and a guy who's probably going to make three to five birdies over the course of you know each of his rounds then he ends up popping there you know he's going to be able to get at those two par fives in two so you got kind of at least one birdie there and then just finding a couple others, perhaps getting equal chances. So I don't know, man. Um, I'm definitely going to be a bit lower on Ben on than the projections, but it does seem like a, a tough fade. I, I won't fade him. You, you can't, you can, how can you nuke Benny Ann at the Wyndham? Like, I've played Benny Ann probably every week he's been in the field. I played him in the majors. Like how am I not going to play him here? You know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, um, and then, I mean, Kokrak's not a whole, I mean, he basically is the exact same conversation, right? He's been exceptional with his long game and a total disaster um, generally over the course of the season with his short game. So, um, I mean, I, I think I'll end up trying to not hope both of those guys sun run with the putter and maybe just play one of them in a lineup. I, I'm not going to make that rule, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just here to take advantage of the crowns, Drewby. Five, the five X crowns, bro. They know how they know how to get me. Uh, some guys I will not be playing in this range. Martin Laird, no interest. Uh, where, where, if you had to guess, do you think Aaron Wise ranks in strokes gained approach? This, this blew my mind. Uh, I've got him like top ten in uh, this field, um, but I, I guess I would probably put him like top forty overall. But he's not though. But like by the descript, not by like the true data golf stuff, but by just the PGA Tour descriptive numbers, he he like. Oh, sorry, I was looking off the tee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's like 140th or whatever in strokes gained approach, which like generally those two things correlate. Like if you gain a ton of strokes off the tee, generally you you hit your long irons well or whatever. But Wise apparently hits his driver and then just like doesn't do anything else. He's like expensive Wyndham Clark. Yeah, I think um, Kevin Streelman's the the other pretty easy play for me to get exposure yeah. to in lineups this week. Um, kind of fits the the same mold of if Glover's like a low rent Webb Simpson, then to me Streelman is the low rent Charles Howell the third. Yeah. Uh, so guys, I will not be playing here. Straka, Haas, Redman, Harmon, Grace. Maybe maybe I'll play a little bit of Duff Daddy. Uh, Russell Knox though, I, he seemed like a good outright bet to me too. What is he doing price down? here next to Jason Duffner and Lucas Beregard. Like Russell Knox is like one of the best 50 golfers in the world. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, 50 definitely seems a little bit extreme, but um, for sure seems I, like I think a, he's 44 in the official world golf ranking. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I was I, I, let me, let me look it up. I don't want Philly to get mad at me for messing up an official world golf ranking. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Knox is, I mean, Knox at that price is a good play. It would be pretty easy to put together a cash game type lineup, even a single entry one with Knox is um, either the cheapest or second cheapest guy in your roster, guy like Kevin Streelman, guy like Charles Howell, Lucas Glover, and you feel really good about each one of those players from a, a floor perspective. Um, so I definitely like that call on Knox. He also just seems like the... I lied. He was he's seventy second in official world golf rankings. Okay, yeah, data golf has him fifty second. So maybe uh, you weren't too far off there. 
he just seems like the guy that at this type of shorter course as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the CH3 thing. It's like, oh, great. Okay, well, I, I, I've seen Russell Knox do this at short courses a bunch of times. It's like uh, like Mayo noted in his PGA.com article that this plays pretty similar to like Harbor Town or whatever, which is a course that people always play Russell Knox at. Gotcha. Yeah, and Brian Harmon's, uh, I think I'll boost him a tiny bit in projections. Not not a, a play that I love, but I think the price point's nice and um, coming in with pretty good form relative to his personal baselines. And then um, also the the type of player that I think gets, you know, knocked down by courses that are, are pretty long and, and pop, propped up a little bit by courses like this one. Yeah. Um, some of the other guys that I think are good plays here. Denny McCarthy, that should be obvious. Berger feels a little cheap to me, too, at 7,400. Uh, Vaughn Taylor, Vaughn Taylor Chalk Week. Are, are you ready for noted showdown hero, Vaughn Taylor, to, uh, to be chalk and, and week long? Man, that's, it's kind of crazy, but he does seem like a, a pretty good value, and that's the, the type of field you're talking about this week. Um, I'd say there's a few guys that all project really closely, so if in a single lineup, it wouldn't be too hard to pivot off of Vaughn Taylor. And in MME builds, he's not a guy I'm going to play 30% of. Um, guy, maybe I wouldn't cap at 20% exposure. If the deal's at 10%, maybe I'm still 2x Von Taylor, which isn't the stance I necessarily need to have in my life. But I think that's how my default process would end up. And then uh, another guy that, again, you're talking about like the disconnect between the skill set uh, and long game and then the short game is Corey Connors. And so, again, it's it's hard if you feel Corey like... Corey Connors is like the same as Benny Ann. Dude just like absolutely strokes it until he gets to the green. And then he's just like, he turns into a 20 capper. Yeah, and it's just tough to to feel like you're going to connect on a bunch of those guys finding their ceiling putting weeks on a week where putting is going to matter a lot. So I think these are the type of players I got to knock a tiny bit when I go through my process or at least group some of it out. Yeah, um, there are some other guys who I like, uh, you know, just because I'm me, I'm excited to play down here, but like Bud Colley. Also, I, I want to bring your attention to Wyndham Clark. I'm giving him a minimum of plus five just for being named Wyndham. There's, there's, that was the no data take that I was referring to. The dude, the dude hits bombs and he gains strokes putting. He's just horrible at everything in between. <laughs> Which is a very peculiar skill set. Weird um, skill set to have, yeah. But we were, we were saying relative to the tour baseline that this type of course requires a bit more off the tee play and a bit more putting. So I like – for course fit for Wyndham Clark, it seems like it's it's the perfect thing. Um, a little bit, you know, overpriced in the data golf model. We did see hit the upside of him getting into contention, and then the downside of how he handled being in contention. Um, but I, I think that was fine. He got the club. He got the club throw in there. Yeah, seems like a fine no data take though to to perhaps get him in there. I was I was wondering if people were touting Wyndham Clark. I mean, dude, his of, name is Wyndham. Like, I, what do you want me to? You want me to not have this guy on my player pool? It just feels like burning money or yeah, burning the, crowns, rather. The uh, the PGA Tour broadcast won't be insufferable at all if Webb Simpson and Wyndham Clark are in the final it's group. It's like it's like when Sam Saunders like makes the cut at the Arnold Palmer. It becomes like it like his like T sixty eight becomes like the story of the weekend or at least on Saturday. Yeah, and then I think I'm gonna end up playing Zach Johnson. Uh, it's. 7,200 in this type of field. I know the the performances haven't all been there of late. I know he wasn't able to do much at a John Deere Classic where you kind of feel like if, if DJ can't do it there, then where can he do it? But it's the type of track. It feels like you're, you're getting like a motivated Zach Johnson here in an extremely weak field at a really cheap price and just, just hope he's been practicing and something clicks. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably just too cheap for him, kind of like almost regardless. Like, I, I don't know. Would you would you really rather play Kevin Tway, who just was like 20 over at the WGC over Zach Johnson? Probably not. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those are those are most of my takes. Obviously, you can check out our projections over at Daily right, I got one. We have one more thing we need oh. to address. Uh oh. I mean, Luke List is under seven thousand. He, he Luke, should be. Luke List? No. Should he be? I don't know. <laughs> pretty close. I think he's pretty fairly priced. Um, I, I mean, mean, he is one of the worst putters on tour. You're you're getting like the the egregious putting, the not very good approach, not very good short game, just just off the tee. If you were like, it's a it's a bomber setup where putting's not going to matter too much, and the field's shitty, then sixty nine hundred dollar Luke list, like sign me up. But um, I think I'm I'm off of him this week. I mean, I guess. Well, like, you know, I, I can't I, – I just was going to say, like, we were talking about it in PGA chat earlier, and I was like, oh, I'm going to X Luke List this week. And then someone said he was under 7K, and I was like, why? I can't I can't just not play him. He, gets, he's, he got T16 at the PGA. Like, he's not a guy without upside. Yeah. I think I'd end up playing, like, a Nick Taylor, Matt Jones, or or even, um, like, Brian Stewart or, or good old Fat Perez over Luke List. I mean, I'm playing – you know, like 300 teams though. So it's, I can't, I can't just be like, you gotta, you gotta keep some of the cheap guys in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, one of the things I did, I've been doing on FanDuel perhaps. Um, yeah. Maybe one of the reasons I have better success there, but is grouping it. So like the long shot guys, I'm only getting one of those in lineups. And so, yeah, yeah, I do. I've been doing the same thing on DK. Not, not so much with the long shots, but doing like lineup must have men to, Rory can't lay Xander Scott like whoever like just that guy like so so that my first lineup is not completely in a different universe than my 300th lineup basically yeah and I, I think that's a, a good approach and especially in this field um, I think that's one of the things you can do if you have strong plays on a few different guys but you're you know it's, it's really unlikely two of these long shots are both going to flash so that would allow you to focus more ownership on the top 25 guys in the field while still kind of taking some stabs deeper down the board on some of the course fit elements so are we going to tout Stuart sink at 6300 so I, I, he's only in play for the web builds right so I, or that's my opinion um so Stuart sink for me is uh probably in consideration for mme runs but out of consideration for single entry three max. Um, even in MME, he's kind of like a fringe play. Yeah. All right. I am, uh, I'm on board with that. So talking about one and done, um, you know, I, I guess I will probably take whoever I have not taken out of Morikawa, Hovland, or Wolf. I, I believe I've taken two of the three of them. Yeah. So and there's only a few events left in the one and done season. So that can narrow it down pretty quickly. Um, I don't think you're going to use too many of these guys at any of the future events because those are going to be loaded fields. Uh, if, if Hideki found form, maybe you'd consider using him at one of the deeper events if you were kind of blocked from using a bunch of guys. Um, but beyond that, I don't think you're going to be using any of these guys for one and done. So I think you can kind of just sort on the win probability and just choose kind of your favorite golfer with the exception of maybe saving Hideki for if he finds a little bit better form or a better course fit setup. Um, so Webb Simpson, I think, is, is the best one and done play. But if you have yeah, to go but, contrarian, then like how would only you would only play him if you're like very high up, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if you bagged Brooks for segment four last week and... Yeah, or some, I guess, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, or you're in contention for the outright thing. And then, um, otherwise, some of the contrarian guys, you know, like a Patrick Reed, Billy Horschel, Victor Hovland, um, Ches Reevy, all guys that'd be fine rostering. Yeah, all right. Uh, there there were actually a couple outright bets that I liked. Um, Glover at Glover at 40 to one, if you are in the New Jersey legal sports betting market, that one, that one felt pretty good. And then Coke rack at 65 to one. I liked both of those a good bit. Yeah, I, I think, um, that makes sense. Uh, I think Kevin Streelman, you can get at 80 to one on DK Sportsbook. That's a huge price. FanDuel is 55 to one. And then like bet 365 is only 66. So one of the reasons that shopping for bet prices, the best prices can be so valuable. Um, so I would just add Kevin Streelman to that mix at a really nice 80 to one price tag. Yep. That uh, sounds, sounds pretty good to me. I think that's going to do it for us here this week.